0: Welcome, everyone, and thanks for listening to another Eddie's Place podcast. I'm Eddie, and today I'll share my 2020 story. Not everything, just the part that pertains to my last place of employment and my experiences therein. Shortly after the lockdown started, I I became unemployed. I'm not a young person per se, nor am I an old guy. I'm somewhere in between, but due to ageism and a corporation's cruel way of conducting business, I'm left in limbo. Why? Because becoming reemployed today has become somewhat of a pipe dream for some. Tomorrow will be a different story, but I'm dealing with it one day at a time, hoping to reach tomorrow as soon as possible. And to add context to what I just told you, this is how it went down. Once upon a time, (laughs) I worked in the marketing department at a fintech company where my position was interaction designer. To help keep the marketing department from being replaced by a third-party marketing agency, the department's head of the creative team and I produced the framework for their first brand guide and production process. What prompted these projects was that we needed to show the Chief Executive Officer of Data Analysis the value that the marketing department brings to the company and how efficient we had to become. To get from A to Z, we utilized the five elements of UX design. Strategy, scope, structure, skeleton, and surface. Those of you in the UX design space know what I'm talking about. That said... The head of marketing tasked the creative director with making the department's brand guide. That pulled the creative director away from the team, so help was needed to complete other tasks. A design system for each of their SaaS products was also on the list, which I had fun creating. I also produced Figma projects containing reusable design assets for the creative team. And of course, I meticulously named every layer in every single project to help the team find assets quickly and efficiently. It's not difficult to do if you properly name every layer in a Photoshop file before exporting a layer or layers. Photoshop has a nifty feature where you can right click on an individual layer to export it as a PNG. If you correctly named the layer, the exported image keeps the associated layer name. Figma, like Adobe XD, does not rename an asset when you import one. You only need to rename the layers that contain elements you create within Figma or Adobe XD. Or if you copy a vector graphic from Illustrator and paste it into Figma or Adobe XD, then you would rename the layer. But I digress. Now back to my tasks. Eventually, My plate also became full, but I and another interaction designer were still responsible for creating the department's integrated ad campaigns. Creating landing pages for the marketing campaigns I was responsible for required me to start with hi-fi wireframes. Since it was a fast-paced environment we rarely had time to start with the ideation portion or lo-fi wireframes after a kickoff meeting. I mainly created an average of two comps to begin with, but because we were short-staffed, I discovered a problem that needed to be solved. bum, bum, bum. bum. The problem was figuring out how to efficiently create an asset repository for the team to avoid wasting time creating assets from scratch for every campaign creating the skeleton for every landing page was straightforward because we used previously created landing pages and mainly focused on redesigning the hero sections and design assets or icons in terms of the structure of the skeleton we basically just grabbed blocks or sections from a previously created landing page and that's how we Created the new landing pages, but it was all done in code. We were also not the only department that accessed the main web servers. The product and dev teams accessed the servers daily. And as some of you know, that can create conflicts. And yes, it did. It created conflicts with our JS and CSS files since we were working with code and not creating blocks with something like a WordPress theme creator where you can drag and drop things. We used an old CMS to house the HTML files with absolute links to the design assets, JS files, and CSS files stored on a separate server, which was the server where we encountered the issues with the JS files and CSS files. WordPress is another method the company uses to create or update the SAS products landing pages and the e-commerce section of the website. As you can imagine, I constantly had a lot of things to do. For a time, I was the department's UI designer, interaction designer, motion graphics designer, front-end developer and HTML email creator because that was also part of the integrated ad campaigns that we put together. That pushed me to recommend hiring a front-end developer to help create the company's SaaS products landing pages just to alleviate some of the load I had on my back. In terms of bandwidth, I became limited. So I had no time to focus on that particular aspect of the company's website. After the department added the new front-end developer, I focused on an asset repository and the usual tasks. A short time later, the new developer also became responsible for developing all landing pages pertaining to the department's seasonal campaigns. Red flags were raised there, I totally saw it. Suddenly, I could breathe though. I had time to focus on a streamlined workflow, which is what the department needed. I used Figma as the principal repository to contain our campaign and evergreen assets via hero section blocks, components, banner ad templates, and social media templates. The banner ad templates and social media templates came in handy when working with third-party agencies. Grabbing anything they needed from our Figma projects was extremely easy and efficient for them. So we were told by them via email, which was cool. We considered using scalable platforms, but the department did not receive the green light from subscribing to said platforms. And using asset storage platforms such as Box or Dropbox was also not on the table for security liability issues. The file storage platforms we considered using were costly and would require the company to pay upwards of 40 k annually to utilize. So it was not difficult to convince and have the creative director talk to the head of marketing to keep paying for and using Figma as the primary asset repository. That made things more straightforward since the entire creative team had full access to the Figma projects. So I eventually created a nifty workflow for the entire team utilizing Figma who would have thought, right? But in the end, I helped create the environment that got me replaced by two college grads that get paid three-fourths the amount of the annual income I received while working there. Thereby saving the company around K annually. Which is resume worthy for sure, but I was not aware that they would let me go after I finished creating the streamlined workflow. As you can imagine, it was the last thing I wanted, especially early 2020 when all of the mess started with the pandemic and the lockdowns. But again, that's the way companies conduct business, if you know what I mean, it's pretty heartless. So ever since I received a notice from my previous employer that I would no longer be employed, a week after said notice, i have been learning new things. Learning how to utilize software updates within the applications I commonly use to produce my work doesn't take a long time, but learning new things from scratch can. I've learned. (laughs) I've taken six online courses since then, all in the design and user experience space. I love what I do, and I've been doing it for nearly two decades now. I also tried dabbling in the entrepreneurial world But sadly, trying to pursue entrepreneurial dreams has also become somewhat of a pipe dream. It's due to the lack of time and solely focusing on the online courses because that goal seems to be more realistic and more beneficial for me in the long run. I'm sure some of you will have a rebuttal for me and say that it's all possible. I won't argue with you on that because anything is possible, but we all have different experiences. One experience, Is where you are single and have no one else to care for but yourself so your chances of becoming a successful entrepreneur are high another is having a spouse and children and you have to spend enough time with them to avoid becoming strangers which would lower your chances of achieving your entrepreneurial dreams due to lack of time or you moved at least 300 miles away from your parents and didn't have a babysitter during the lockdowns to help you focus on your projects. The list goes on, and it just goes on. There's so many experiences that we all had in 2020. Enough context. (laughs) Okay, I think I've filled your ears with my 2020 shenanigans. I'm switching back to the current time. So let's put the violin away. Let's stretch, pop my back, there we go. You can't hear it because it's my back and it's not that loud. So that's why I've decided to create this podcast. I figured that if I put myself out there, I can verbally express my deep interest in what I love to do. And that is working in the user experience space. Within that space, I am many things. Still, interaction design is my core skill. There will always be a need for a person who wears the user experience utility belt, so having a core skill in that space is valuable. Today, I am called a T-shaped designer. If you don't know what that means, I'll explain. A T-shaped designer is a person capable of many things and very good at one of them. In the confines of a small company, I would be the guy who wears many hats. In a large company environment, I would be the lead or senior interaction designer who can help a team with other tasks when needed. But you know what? I can also be a project manager if I wanted to switch positions or eventually become a director if the position is presented to me. Regardless of my background, I still can't speak with full authority in this industry, nor can any of us, realistically, because change is constant. I'm still learning new ways to produce the next-gen designs, user flows, and ad campaigns because this industry is constantly evolving along with the applications that we utilize to create our work and campaigns. New software applications are making it easier for us to output our work efficiently. So there's always something new to learn daily, regardless of what we do. Really. The same is relevant in job postings and the persons in HR departments who create them. I see new job postings daily, and some of them look as if someone wrote the job descriptions in 2011. Yeah, it it happens. Unless, in the job posts, the what you'll be doing and the must-haves sections within LinkedIn job posts are posted by a person at a creative agency, Google, Hulu, YouTube, or Facebook. In other words, even job postings can quickly become outdated, and forward-thinking companies are more likely to have a person on board who is up-to-date with job titles and descriptions. Again, going back to continue to learn, you have to continue to learn, read something daily to stay informed. It's super, super key to success. Today, UX designers need to stay updated with the most current information, trends, and design applications. Juggling things is what we all do, but only a focused few are able to propel themselves forward to success. The reasons for their success vary. It's like winning at bingo, the lottery, or becoming a rock star in the music industry. For that, I'll deliver a more profound explanation here. So let me explain. Acquiring a new freelance client is like winning at bingo. It's not as tricky as landing your dream job, but gaining a new client is still a challenge. You have to be quick and efficient. Now, getting a job at Google is like winning the lottery since experience, skills, focus, geolocation, education, and timing are critical. I hope you heard that because I just gave you the formula to winning the lottery. What? (laughs) There are so many talented and skilled people who would do great at places like Google, but only a small bunch will ever get there. Now... Let's move on to rock star status. Becoming a social media celebrity can lead to mass recognition, thereby becoming a rock star in terms of influence. In the design world, you are also considered a rock star when your work is award-winning. So do your best at all times. And of course, there are loads of individuals who are capable of becoming influencers, or design rock stars. Yet only a tiny group will attain global celebrity status. Okay, so I'll pause on that for now. Let's get back to UX design. Within the UX design space, so many things have changed in just 100 years. The term user experience architect hasn't been around for 100 years. Guess what has been? Products. Products that we all use. So user experience applies to the old products that were produced to sell to the masses. And the user experience with those products was not always simple. And as we know now, usually younger people become more savvy with anything you place in front of them versus older folks. That's just the truth. That's just reality. It has become an obstacle to keep up with all of the technology we are producing in the world, I've witnessed so many people lose their minds and culture to live in this new world. And it's going to get easier to lose yourself as you become more dependent on the latest technologies that humanity is producing at an overwhelming rate. So it's up to us designers to create a smooth transition for those who need to catch up and for those individuals Who need the extra help to utilize the next-gen technologies properly for profit or just to feel as if they are a part of society. It's sad to think that way, but think about it. In order for us to feel like we belong, we have to have a smartphone in our hand to show people that we can use it regardless of our age. It's like, what? You know what I mean? That's why user experience is so important to me. Fluid interfaces can help many people become financially independent or feel like they are a part of by facilitating the user experience. Let's face it. We have become technology dependent and to feel as if we belong, we need technology. You see, before the world became what it is now, the masses on a global scale did not require help from any digital technologies and would grow their own food on their significant properties. Slowly, their large properties turned into a subset of what they once had, and eventually they became deprived of their property. Not owning anything but debt. Today, reaching any semblance of your hard-working property-owning ancestry is becoming an entrepreneur. This pandemic has changed a lot of things for us. We have faced a new reality and have realized that we need to become self-subsistent again. If you are new to this industry and interested in becoming a UX specialist or are interested in being a UX generalist, please continue to listen. The first thing you need to get familiar with is the user experience vocabulary the lingo used by persons who work in this industry. I'm gonna point out a few terms and definitions in the UX world. Keep in mind that the UX field is broad and does not only encompass usability tests, (laughs) since it's a popular term people use in the UX space. Within the usability space, there are specialists, generalists, and T-shaped designers. A specialist is an expert at one thing, whereas a generalist is skilled in many things. As I mentioned earlier in this podcast, T-shaped designers are experts at one thing yet capable of other things within the UX space. So if you're still with me, I recommend getting familiar with the following terms. User research. User research is about understanding users who use or will use a product. Through user research, you can learn about users' familiarity with user interfaces, demographics, pain points, emotions, motivations, and goals. Depending on your research goal, your research methods might include surveys, questionnaires, interviews, card sorts, usability tests, tree tests, or observations. In some cases, the user research might consist of all of the above when gathering data for a new app. For example. So it's essential to get familiar with everything that encompasses user research. Next on the list is information architecture. Information architecture. Information architecture, IA for short, involves deciding how a product is structured and organized. Think of IA as an interface that outlines how users interact with a product. You must arrange everything in a product to make sense to the user and meet their expectations. Next on the list is wireframing. A wireframe is a low fidelity outline or a sketch of a tangible product, digital product, or user interfaces like an app or website. They are primarily lines and shapes with some text. Wireframes can be drawn by hand or created digitally using the design software of your choice. Wireframes help manifest your ideas. If you're a part of a small team, wireframes can allow other people on your team to provide input and feedback on the first iteration of your design idea. Teamwork makes the dream work. Keep that in mind. It's true. Next on the list is prototyping. A prototype is an early stage model of a product or website that demonstrates its functionality. Prototypes Can be physical or digital products and can vary in complexity. Sometimes a prototype is made to illustrate one specific feature of a product or the flow and structure of your website. In most cases, you'll create multiple prototypes for any given product throughout the design cycle. Okay, next on the list is visual design. Visual design focuses on how a tangible product, digital product, website UI, or app looks. As a user experience designer, understanding the foundations of visual design helps communicate the connection between a product's functionality and appearance. Okay, I'll pause here. I will keep these podcasts short or as short as possible and sweet, but if I have someone on with me, the podcast will likely be 45 to 60 minutes long. Not sure when that will happen, but I'm open to it. So if you have something valuable to share or awesome experiences to share, by all means, connect with me and let me know. And if I have produced value for you, please follow, like, subscribe, and all that jazz. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. And as I always say, do more, learn more, move forward, and beyond. Thank you for listening to an Eddie's Place podcast. And always remember that Eddie's Place refers to my place in time and is not about my home. Catch you on the next one. You are fantastic, and I appreciate you.